Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to episode 38 of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Scholes, and I'm going to toss it over here to my co-host across the screen, Nick Manella. What's going on, boys? How we doing? Just I, the, living the dream. The last couple days have just been incredible. I mean, <laughs> you wake up, you get out of bed, you do whatever you need to do for the day, and then, boom, noon o'clock or noon 30, noon. hockey games are on for the rest of the damn day. It's just been phenomenal. I've got... <laughs> The Jets and the Flames behind me on the TV right now. I mean, this is just fantastic. It truly is a wonderful sight, and uh, I will admit it is a little hard to be productive when all of these things are going on. And you throw golf on top of that, a little baseball action here and there. So it's been a very nice return to sports, uh, to say the least. Also going to toss it over here to our producer, Mac Vogel. How we doing, buddy? What's going on, guys? I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. Watching hockey, as Nick mentioned, can't be uh, can't be having too bad of a time while that's happening. Although I wish the Jets were currently not losing by two goals because yeah. not trying not yeah. trying to lose money, but you know, it's the way it goes. Totally understand. Um, so you know, obviously, we've got quite a bit to catch up on over the weekend. A little action also. Today and yesterday, and by a little bit, I actually mean a ton of action. Um, so I'm going to toss it off to Nick, and he's going to drive us into the sunset. So we don't have a ton of news tidbits to get to. It's basically just breaking down every series. So um, obviously, playoff hockey got back to where it needed to be. It got kicked off on Saturday. We had a bunch of games on Saturday, a bunch of games on Sunday, a uh, bunch of games on Monday, and we are recording this on Tuesday the 4th. Uh, as I mentioned, with Jets and Flames underway now. I think a lot of people, uh, myself included, were sort of not concerned, but wondering how these first couple games back were going to be in terms of, you know, were guys going to take these qualifier games, you know, a little bit easier, maybe not wanting to get hurt. Um, I know people certainly had that expectation about the round-robin games, but I think all that got thrown out the fucking door on Saturday in the first five minutes of that Rangers-Carolina game. I mean, I, that's some of the hardest hitting I've ever seen, and that was just the first game back. What did you guys think about that? Yeah, you can throw all that out the window. <laughs> I mean, Seriously. Dude, dude, Truba was laying wood on people. I mean, <laughs> this is... Uh, it's more intense than maybe I even remember it. Maybe it's because it's been so long, but there is no sign of lighting up. People are I, – I think there was a record amount of fights um, in – I think I think this was a Pierre stat, so take it for what it's worth. Um, but I think he m- made up a stat that in one day, like one 24-hour like, day, there were more fights on Saturday than there have ever been on a playoff hockey day in history. I don't know how that is recorded or if that's even real, but that's what he said. Wow. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. How many how many fights were there on Saturday? I mean, Justin Williams dropped the gloves right away in that Carolina game. Um, and then uh, so I remember at least one other on the day, but I, I would have, I have to imagine at least three if it set a record like that. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look. I can't remember if... Saturday was the day where um, uh, Blake Wheeler took on Kachuk after the Shifley hit. But it was because it was game one, I think. It was. It was. So, I know that was in there. There were a couple other ones. What did you say? This is really hard to keep track of. Like the last three days have just been like a ball of hockey in my brain. 
yeah, I can't kinda, distinguish Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It kind of all meshes together, eh? Seriously. Give like March Madness in that way where you like have to keep going back and checking like okay right these guys played yesterday this is where the series is at okay they play again tomorrow etc. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, Nick, I completely agree with your statement that you can pretty much throw out any hold back out the window. I mean, they're going full blast, so uh, there's no signs of lack of intensity like I think people were worried about. As we moved on throughout the the day on Saturday and even into Sunday, I mean, we saw, I don't know if this was like a timing thing or guys were just sort of going out there with pent-up testosterone, but I mean, guys were getting lit up and there were a couple hits that I thought were definitely over the line. We saw some some pretty nasty ones. Uh, I think the one that stood out for me, I know this was a round-robin game, but uh, Gabe the Babe Landis Cog absolutely railed one of the blues players. Um, and I'm shocked. They only gave him two minutes for him, like, you know, for it. I thought that was going to be five ten, and see you later. Uh, I what remember guys- that. Yeah. I think that was on Zach Sanford of the blues. It was. I mean, that was nasty and it's not really like a, a hit that you expect him to do. Like he's really not a dirty player. Uh, so, uh, like we said, I don't know if that's a timing thing, who knows, but, Obviously, hits have been, there's been plenty of them, so that's always exciting to see. Obviously, uh, I think it's a little bit up than what we would expect, but there's been a decent amount of injuries that have come out. Uh, There's a a couple scary incidents. Uh, We can get into the Kachuk and Shifley one uh, a little bit later. But uh, there's like not really a ton of information surrounding uh, guys that have been injured. Uh, we were texting each other today, and I know we were like, they're either saying like they're playing or they're not, and that's basically it. So some of these guys like didn't even play in their first couple games with their teams, and some of these guys uh, were hurt in these games and got taken out. Uh, some of the big names that we have is uh, Stamkos did not play in the Caps Lightning round robin game. I think at this point in our lives, we know three truths: death, taxes, and a Steven Stamkos injury. So. <laughs> Uh, outside of that, uh, Igor Shosturkin, who uh, fortunately will play for the Rangers uh, later this evening, I believe, uh, did not play in the first two games. I know that we were very high on this kid going in, and we were picking, at least some of us were picking uh, the blue shirts because of him. Uh, in addition, Jesper Faust was injured. Uh, Mark Shifley and Patrick Laine both left game one for the Jets with injuries and did not return. Max Pacioretty for the Knights did not play. John Carlson for the Caps did not play. Johnny Boychuk took a high hit and left game one uh, in the Islanders-Panthers series. And Nick Schmaltz did not play for the Yotes, if I'm not mistaken. Did you hear about the Igor injury and how that happened, allegedly? I did not. Um, so a little, bur- a little, a little Twitter uh, peep said that he was in an ATV... M- accident in russia during the oh, lockdown i thought that's what they said about samsonov or was it wait was it samsonov or was it just all the russian goalies blend in dude i'm sorry <laughs> maybe they were all in an atv incident together <laughs> i could i'm not gonna put it past them i mean did you see the caps russians hanging out together doing tiktok videos i did see that yeah oh, no 
Uh, yeah. Shit. It's not a good look. But either way, though, I will say some of these injuries are are definitely a little more extreme than others from, from what I can tell. And I think, obviously, you look at, um, like, Shifley and Line A who are playing or who are supposed to be playing in a uh, Jets-Flames best-of-five series right now. Um, you know, if those guys were even remotely ready to go, they'd be out there. Uh, versus you look at Steven Stamkos and John Carlson, uh, I have a bit of a hunch that those are probably some less extreme injuries, uh, more like minor tweaks, and uh, their teams are just taking extra precaution, not trying to rush these guys back because they're not yet playing in um, elimination-type games. Yeah, I agree. That's a great point. Uh, as far as suspensions go, uh, the only one that I saw was uh, Chicago's Drake Kajula, uh, former star at North Dakota, was suspended for one game uh, for hitting Tyler Ennis high. I thought that was warranted. I thought that was the – it was a high hit. It was to his head. I thought this was good. Um, one game, I think that's fair. Uh, what did you guys think about that? To be honest, I actually did not see the hit. So. It, you know, shoulder to the head, you know. Not uh, much of a comment. Say, and it's a small guy, but whatever. I think it was uh, the principal point of contact. So I, I agree with the one-game suspension. Probably because I don't even recognize this guy, Drake's name. So, And props to you okay. for pronouncing that right. I was going to go Kaguila, but, you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on that note, um, all right. <laughs> We have a lot to get to in terms of catching up with these series. I think, you know, when I was making my notes today, it was so hard to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth between, you know, some of these guys have, you know, played one game. Some of them have played three games. Some of them have played two games, you know, and just trying to keep track of it all is it's hard, but it's not exactly a bad problem to have considering that we were starved of it for four goddamn months. So let's start with the first series that kicked off on Saturday, uh, the Rangers and Hurricanes who are actually just about to get underway right now. Uh, game one, Carolina goes out and wins it three to two. They come back flying in game two and stomp the Rangers four to one. Svechnikov has a hat trick. Uh, my takeaways for this game, first and foremost, I know we were very high on the Rangers goaltending at the beginning when we were doing our preview, and we were sort of, I know I kind of took something away from Mrazek and Reimer uh, as the Canes tandem, but I thought Mrazek has looked fantastic uh, so far. Uh, really, you know, you really can't blame him for uh, the majority of the goals that have been scored on him, albeit, you know, only three of them. Uh, and my other big takeaway is that the, I think the Rangers' defense has just been really lackluster, and especially in that second game. Uh, I thought they were just outworked and um, overwhelmed by uh, Carolina and one Kane in particular, I think so, with uh, Shvechnikov putting up three. Yeah, I mean, the, the big takeaway I have is that the, the Hurricanes are just absolutely suffocating on the back check. I mean, it is, it, it's crazy. And I, I was talking to, uh, you know, our Rangers insider, Mark, um, and he was giving me his assessment of what was going on. And he said, yeah, the, the Rangers can't get a clean possession of the puck in the offensive zone because any coach, 
any team coached by Rod the Bod is going to be conditioned like no other. So yep. um, it's quite obvious that the Canes are the faster team, which, you know, to be honest, I didn't think that going into the series. And Jacob Slavin, oh, my God. I guess I kind of overestimated the detriment that Pesci and Hamilton's injuries were going to be, but he is. I mean, I, I've seen him in a lot of ranking boards really high up, and you know, I, I watch him play, and I'm like, yeah, he's smooth, he's steady, but he is real. He's really looked good this series. He is a stud. He might be their best defenseman. I guess I thought it was Dougie, but prove me wrong. Holy shit! Yeah, Slavin is definitely the real deal, and um, yeah, I'd take him over Dougie Hamilton every day. Uh, Y'all know my qualms, Dougie Hamilton. So. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I also didn't really realize how good Sveshnikov was. I mean, granted, in his rookie season, he put up 37 points and had a 20-goal year, so respectable, right? And then this year, he had a little bit more of a breakout year, 61 points, pretty damn good, 24 goals. You know, that's that's above average. That's really good. But he's got a w- he can skate, and he's got a wicked wrister. And I just that, have this whole top line, man. They are fucking terrifying. Yeah, he, he is going to be... I mean, he already is really good. He's only 20. So, I mean, he's coming. And he's looking like he is poised to be the next Russian sniper when Ovi eventually turns over that throne. So, Yeah, and he has come a long way from getting absolutely knocked out by Ovi in the playoffs last year. So, yeah. <laughs> he, looks he looks good. That was, I remember watching that. I was like, oh, God, kid, do you really want to do this? Yeah, exactly. But, no, I mean... Yeah, I give him credit. He, he looks good out there for sure. So, obviously, we have the Canes up 2-0 in this series. Uh, the Rangers are on the brink right now. I am sitting here watching this game. It's not even two minutes old. What do you guys think are the keys that the Rangers need to do or have to sort of stable off elimination here? Power play. I would have said ahead of time that um, that their only chance was if Igor was going to be available today, and sure enough, he is. Um, and so I think that's definitely big. But again, this is the guy's first goal or first game now um, in however long, and so hopefully that doesn't uh, hopefully it doesn't take him too long to get himself adjusted to the game. Um, but I think if if he's able to to stave off the first couple first 10 or 15 shots he's going to get in a rhythm and, and he's going to be looking good for them then uh that could be a big key for the rangers actually taking at least one game here and getting themselves on the board power play for me i think their power play has looked horrible i don't even think they have a power play goal so far this series and they've had um a decent amount of opportunities so it's got to be the power play in my opinion I like it. I would I would go with defense just overall. I mean, I thought a lot of the goals that they let up weren't really on goaltending at all. Um, and it's not just the the defense core. I think the forwards need to do a lot of a lot more work in terms of their back check as well. So it's gonna be hard to outcompete this Carolina team. I don't know if you can actually do that in a game, like you said, Harrison, with the way that they're conditioned. But I mean, you know, you you can get close. And it, you might be close enough where you can use goaltending or your star power to steal a game. And I think that's what they're going to have to do tonight. Uh, you know, there's I, I just literally watched a sequence where they couldn't get out of their own zone because the Carolina four check is just so suffocating. Like, I mean, those guys are yeah. like 
junkyard dogs on raw meat. It's just ridiculous when they go into the corner to get the puck. Speaking of junkyard dogs on raw meat, let's talk about McDavid on Olimata the other night. (laughs) What a segue. Yeah, so let's move on to Chicago and Edmonton. Um, Game one, Chicago wins it 6-4. to I think that shocked all of us. Uh, Dominique Kubalik was fantastic. What a playoff debut for the rookie. Five points, two goals, and three apples, I think. Game two, Edmonton comes right back. Uh, it was close for a little bit, and then they broke away. But Edmonton won it six to three. And speaking of breaking away, I mean Harrison, you nailed it. I mean, Jesus Christ, talk about <laughs> turning and burning someone. McDavid just roared past Olimata. I mean, that was just unreal. So if I had a comparison as to what to like relate this to, and we all know how I feel about Olimata very strongly, very very strongly. He's not a good player. He's never been a good player. He is, I would venture to say, and I say this with full confidence, he is the slowest player in the league, without a doubt. He, he, he's, if you watch the video, and I broke it down earlier, right, McDavid is still, Mata has McDavid in front of him, and he's already pivoted to go from backward skating to forward skating to get to chase him because he already knows, oh, fuck. Like when McDavid hit the puck out of the air, the second the puck bounced on the ice, Mata's already to go skate forwards to chase him and he's still in front of him so i'm like (laughs) and then mcdavid put you know he doesn't really put the puck under modest stick but he he just perfectly goes right by him and you just look here's the typical Oli Mata face every time he gets burned he goes i'm just like (laughs) every time every time every i've seen it time and time again so yeah i mean I McDavid is fast as shit, but it made it look a lot better on camera that he was against Oli Roly Pulley Slowly or whatever the fuck I used to call him. So <laughs> that's all I have. Uh, <laughs> Roly Slowly. Wait, no, nah, I'm not even gonna try it again. I'll, I'll uh, I uh, that was fantastic. Um, yeah, that was just you know, roll the highlight film and he just got absolutely torched. I feel like that's the NHL equivalent of getting posterized like for the NBA. So, uh, but I mean, McDavid, in addition to that, puts up two more, has the hat trick in that game. Uh, you know, obviously you're going to do well when your best player and when the best player in the world scores three, you should be winning those games. So I don't think that's a surprise. I really liked the move of, Tippett replacing uh, Mike Smith with Koskinen. I thought that was a great move. I was a little bit shocked that Mike Smith got that start as ahead of Koskinen in game one, just because I thought Koskinen had a much better regular season. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but this is one of, I would say, two or three series out of this batch that it just seems like there's a penalty like every 30 seconds. Yeah, I have noticed that. And I think um, a lot of it has to do with, you know, players getting back into that that playoff speed and everything. There's definitely been some lazy stick penalties in a lot of the games. But um, for sure, something about this series in particular feels like there's just constant power plays. But um, all the more reason why, you know, teams got to have good special teams here down the stretch um, is because you're probably going to see a lot of penalties. And so... Uh, 
you know, if you don't have a power play, if you're not able to make a team pay when when they're taking penalties on you, obviously they're going to keep doing it and, and you're going to be the one paying for it. Um, another note about the Oilers, uh, one player that I think uh, everyone should keep their eye on um, down the stretch might come as a surprise to some, but Alex Chason, um, I've always thought this guy was a really underrated player uh, but he is just a, a absolute utility man. Um, you know, he can kind of go anywhere in the bottom six. Uh, he can play power play minutes. He can uh, score on a rush goal. He's got a wicked shot, um, and he's not afraid to, you know, stand in front of the net, too. He's a big, big boy, so um, that's my sleeper pick for uh, at least for that series to keep your eye on. He was pretty high – he, I think he started in Dallas, right? Dallas or think, Ottawa? I think he went from Dallas to Ottawa, and then he was in Washington for a little bit, right? Yeah, he yeah. won the Caps. Yeah, you didn't need to remind me of that. Um, so, <laughs> he, no, he was a pretty like um, highly regarded prospect coming in. He's like six foot five. He's like two. I want to say he's like two twenty. So he's a big dude. Yeah, yeah. he had a lot of power forward uh, comparisons to like. Um, Blake Wheeler, I remember when he was coming in. Same kind of build, same kind of play. Not the fastest guy, but good playmaker. Also, Mac, I'll tee you up. Your boy Slater Cuckoo, who, which, by the way, folks, if you try to spell this last name Cuckoo and you're in the car right now, I guarantee you you're wrong. <laughs> K-O-E-K-K-O-E-K. That's what I thought. What's, uh, what, what nationality is he? Is he? Does anybody know? Not from this planet. I don't know how you spell it. <laughs> I, I could know. Know. I'll I'll look real quick. But, but yeah, uh, he, he he's looks good. Um, I for some reason I, and maybe it is just the the odd name that that has made him always stand out to me. That and he's he's huge. Um, but uh, in general, I think he has definitely looked good. He scored a big goal for the Hawks last night, right? So yep. Yeah, wicked wrister. He is uh, Canadian, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Man, okay. <laughs> Me. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but I think we were all surprised by the the Hawks winning the first game in the series. Where do you see this one going? Do you see it as sort of like a gentleman sweep for the Oilers where the Hawks get the first one and the Oil just go in three? Um, or do you think the Hawks have a, a snowball's chance in hell here? I'm going to say Oilers in five. I don't think gentlemen sweep because I think the Hawks do have some experience, and they got some serious players. I think Kubelik and um, Kirby Doc are great youngsters that you know I personally kind of overlooked during the year, but um, I'd say five. I mean – the McDavid effect. It's hard after watching that game last night to think that he's not just going to absolutely fucking bring it. So, yeah, um, man, it's tough because obviously initially we all said Oilers and four, we figured the Hawks would find their way to get one, but I certainly did not expect them to get the first one. And so that kind of changes things a little bit, but um, I would tend to agree here that I think the Oilers are get will get it done eventually. Um, I think the Hawks will get one more game from them, um, and I think it'll I think it'll probably be Game Four that the Hawks win. I would imagine Oilers win the next one, Hawks tie up the series, and then the Oilers clean it up from there. 
I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. And let's move on to the Cats and the Isles, the Florida Panthers and the New York Islanders. So game two was earlier today. I believe that was the first one on at about noon. Uh, game one, the Islanders won that two to one. Uh, complete snooze fest, if you ask me. I thought that was one of the, you know, if you're not a fan of either team, it really wasn't a great game to watch kind of deals. Um, game two, I thought today was a little bit better. The Islanders won four to two. Uh, both teams were pretty evenly matched. I thought in uh, game one, they both put up 28 shots. I thought Florida took way too many penalties today, and the Islanders really made them pay on the man advantage. I mean, they cashed in multiple times. Um, the Islanders can clinch tomorrow the 5th. That might be the day that most of you are listening to this. Um, what have you guys thought about this so far? Obviously, we know about the trot system. Uh, do you think that got into a better effect today? Did you think they were better in Game 1? What do you got? Uh, I said from the beginning, I expected the Islanders to sweep in this series, and I stand by that. I think that um, they're well-coached. They look determined and poised out there. Um, I wasn't able to catch the game today, but uh, the highlights I saw definitely looked like, as you said, the power play was going. Um, Broussard with a couple of points already. Um, yeah, I think, they'll, I think they'll win tomorrow. Everything that Mac predicted about this series legitimately happened. So I got to give you huge props because you talked about Broussard before the series started and I went on a rant about how I hated him and he sucks and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, and you called the sweep and it sure as hell looks like that. I think I don't want to go too long on this series because I think it's probably the least interesting one of all of them. But uh, You're one, <laughs> but Borowski <laughs> hasn't looked that bad to be honest. He actually has played decent. So this really isn't on goaltending. This is more so that uh, Barkov did have a goal today. I think Huberto also might have scored. I can't remember. But um, there's no secondary scoring. I mean, I don't know what happened to Brett Connolly, right? I mean, he's on there. Um, Dadanoff played, played pretty good this year. You haven't really seen him too much. So that kind of went away. And the other big takeaway that I noticed that is not a fluke from last year is Jordan Eberle is really fucking good. He's really good. I I want to talk about that because I think people forget how clutch this guy is. Like, if you had to make a list of, like, clutch playoff hockey players of all time, going back to even before he was in the NHL, I think you could put him on that list. I mean, he had that, what was it, like, the World Juniors, it was, like, 2010 or 2011. It was, like, Canada-Russia in the semis, and he tied the game with, like, two and a half seconds to go. Um, he's proven throughout his... Uh, junior career with the Pats that he can score huge goals. And then I think even when he came into the league, I mean, his first NHL goal was one of the Seriously. nicest moves you will ever see um, when he broke in with the Oilers. So I think he's kind of gotten overlooked ever since coming over to the Islanders. I think his offensive production has kind of fallen off to where people expected it to be. Just And I think that's just because of the like the system that they're playing. He went from this run-and-gun Oilers team that had, you know, Hall, Nugent Hopkins, and I think they had Yakupov at the time. Um, and then, you know, you go to a very defensive-minded Islanders team. But I, I completely agree with you, and uh, I think he's been fantastic so far. Yeah. Uh, last thing I'll say is he kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, a Logan Couture. Not the guy yep. who's going to put up... 90 points in the regular season and you know finish somewhere in mvp conversation but 
a very good playoff performer, and he dominated the Penguins last year, and he put up two uh, goals today, and he looked really good. Speaking of the Penguins, let's move on to this. Uh, uh, the Montreal Canadiens and Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, game one, I was watching this. Um, Can I take this? Yeah, no, yeah, you take this one. I actually want to hear this. All right, so we'll, we'll, we'll go through this. So game one, Carey Price, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> still the best goalie in the league. I don't even really need a big sample size to say that. I, I think he's right there with the best of them. Um, I think Pittsburgh had 16 shots in the first 10 minutes of the game, and he just, I could see the writing on the wall the second after the the clock hit nine, uh, 9.59 in the first. I was like, so, this isn't going to go the way I think I want it to. Um, the Penguins' power play is fucking atrocious. I mean, it, it is truly horrible. They are 1 for 12 in the series. I looked at, that was according to Pensburg.com. I thought I heard that they hadn't scored one yet, so... Um, I'm not going to go through the research because it's abysmal regardless. If you have 12 power play opportunities through two games with the amount of star power that we have, one goal is not going to cut it. Um, but game one was tough. I kind of figured after the third period, Montreal kind of had us where they wanted us. And the Petrie goal was kind of a broken play. Murray didn't play bad. He didn't. I wouldn't say he played amazing, but compared to some of the goalies that we've seen so far, <clears throat> Mike Smith, um, he hasn't played that bad. So... Game two was a completely different narrative. Uh, still a tight-checking game, but it almost looked like Murray was the one who was playing. I mean, Price still played great, but it looked like Price had to equal Murray for once, um, as weird as that is to say out loud. And he was the reason we won. I mean, Murray stood on his head. He made some really good saves. Um, Crosby, Gensel, Sheary, they're all playing really well. Crosby has a goal in both. No surprise there. Um, but Malkin, I have no idea where he is. He, he just doesn't look motivated. He's standing still on breakouts. Uh, he's, he's not really back-checking. He's not going in for pucks properly. He's taken took a dumb penalty yesterday where we had a power play, and then he had to go rough up. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Cock in Miami, who, by the way, looks really good and is a huge cock in Miami. Um, and, yeah, Malkin needs to show up. I mean, we're not going to – I'm kind of nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like this break hasn't helped Malkin remember his teammates' names at all because we all know that he doesn't know them anyways. Um, so I feel like, you know, we we all agreed on this one. We all took the pens in four, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. So yeah. I feel like we, we were all expecting Price to steal one game, and I think that's what happened in game one. Now, I, granted, Montreal did get out to a 2-0 lead, but... Um, yeah. You know, you know Pittsburgh tied it up pretty rapidly after that. I think this is going to be a gentleman sweep going forward. I fucking hope you're right. I I would also probably go ahead and say the same thing that that I do expect the Penguins to take from here. But uh, this is what I'll say about the Canadians. Uh, I mean, you look at last night's game. They they were right there until the very end, until I think it was Brett Kulak made that rough pinch at a really tough time uh, late in the third period. And, uh, you know, as soon as they go down 2 nothing, there, you're pretty much not going to win that game anymore. Um, and then, of course, they come back and they do get one. So that makes that play even more uh, unfortunate for them. But I, I think that if 
if somehow the Canadians can get the Penguins into another overtime game, um, as soon as they get into overtime, I feel like the the momentum totally switches into their favor because Price is going to be locked in in OT as he was in Game 1. And all of a sudden, there's so much more pressure on the Penguins. Like, shit, are we really about to lose to this 12 seed again? Like, it's anybody's game, next goal wins. I think that's what the Canadians need to work on is is – just you know, they were right there. They they need to they need to finish strong and and get themselves into overtime. And who knows what can happen? But I do think the Penguins will win uh, in four still. I hope so. Um, last couple takeaways: Zucker has looked really good, as well as Brian Rust. Mm-hmm. So for as bad as Malkin has played, uh, his line mates look like they're the ones who are really trying. And the biggest adjustment that I, you know, applaud Mike Sullivan for, because he can be very stubborn at times, is um, he finally put Hornquist back on the first power play unit on this in Game 2, which made a world of difference. He took Jason Zucker off, and that power play doesn't run unless Hornquist is in front of the net. I mean, he's getting the shit kicked out of him. I, I, he, he, if he wasn't on my team, I would hate him. So can confirm. <laughs> uh, one of my least favorite players by a mile and a half in the league. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I fucking love him. But, yeah, I can totally understand that. So, we'll see. I don't know. I'm a little scared. My asshole's a little tight. So, let's move on. <laughs> uh, moving on to uh, Winnipeg and Calgary. This is also a series that's going on, or a game that's going on right now. Uh, game one, Calgary won 4-1. to one. Game two, Winnipeg won 3-2. to two. Oh boy, is this a rivalry that's going to continue after this. I mean, oh my god. This has been the most violent series by far. Yes. Um, so, yeah. I mean, game one, the injuries happened. Um, I think the Jets kind of lost the, the wind in their sails, for lack of a better term, once uh, Shifley and Line A went down. But game two, that was a gutsy team effort. That was a really tight game. You know, they were getting at Kachuk. Kachuk was getting at them. Lucic was stirring it up. There was, you know, like little skir- scrummishes after every whistle. Really good game. Awesome hockey game. But they pulled out the 3-2 win. Hellebuck looked amazing. Pretty much looked good all series, to be honest. I can't really fault him for anything. Um, what's the update on game three? You guys have the games on. So between periods two and three right now, I think we're like five or so minutes away from the third period starting. So I'll keep you posted as we go. Um, What's the score, by the way? I think it's three to one flames still. It's actually four to flames now. Okay. Okay. Uh, The Jets scored a power play goal to make it three to two. And then um, not too long after that, uh, freaking Matthew Kachuk of all people makes it four to two. So speaking of Kachuk, let's talk about the Kachuk-Shifley incident. So Kachuk and Shifley go heavy to the boards. Um, Kachuk, you know, pressuring and putting, you know, uh, contact on Shifley. Uh, Shifley drops like a bag of dirt, writhing in pain. I had no idea what was going on until I saw it slowed down. Uh, I know there was, it looked like, you know, like the leg, you know, uh, could the, the back of Shifley's leg got caught by uh, Kachuk's skate blade, which is always scary. Uh, what did you guys think? I know there were, you know, a bunch of Jets fans and a bunch of other people out there that were saying that this was done on purpose. 
I know Paul Maurice came out and said that this was ugly, disgusting, and this was done on purpose. Um, what did you guys think? I personally didn't think that it was on purpose. Um, I didn't even really consider that until Paul Maurice uh, mentioned that he thought it was on purpose. Um, you know, maybe maybe there was some somewhat of ill intent from Kachuk to at least like you know do something, but I, I can't imagine anyone, even Matthew Kachuk, <laughs> I can't imagine anyone um, actually going into a play like that and thinking, I want to, I want to get this guy completely out of the series. I want to, you know, fuck him over or anything like that. Um, and I, I sure as hell hope not to, cause that would be just pretty fucking gross to be honest. But um, I, Kachuk did kind of skate over to Shifley, like as he was, as he was leaving that game, um, I don't know what he said, but it looked like he said something like, I'm sorry, or hope you're all right. Who knows? But, um, I don't know. I didn't think it was on purpose. No, I didn't either. I think with how fast the game goes, you ke- I-, I can't put in my head that someone deliberately is going to say, Hey, I'm going to slice this guy's Achilles wide open. Like, you know, unless you're Matt Cook, but, um, I don't think it's <laughs> is that player. Yes, I think Matt Cook, you know, 100%. Great analogy. I think this is what I like to call the Tom Wilson effect, where because a guy with a reputation did it, people are saying it was done on purpose. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Obviously, hope he's okay. Hope he gets back. I love watching Shifley in the playoffs. Uh, Line A left game one, as you mentioned, didn't return. I mean, they're superstars 1A and 1B for that team, so that's not great. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, guy that stepped up so far in the playoffs that kind of has a history of not for the Jets has been Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, I think people forget how fucking fast this guy is. I think if you take out McDavid, he might be the fastest player in the league. I mean, he's that fucking quick. And I know he has one, at least one tonight. I think he had another one um, yesterday or the day before. So, but uh, I agree. No, Harrison, I agree with you with what you said. It was just sort of like a grinded out gritty effort for them to get it done as a team without their two best players in game two. And, you know, hopefully to make us sound right that they can, you know, continue to do that. Yeah, I think they've definitely gotten some points from, you know, definitely big step up from Ehlers. Um, They've had a couple guys like sort of start to step up who you wouldn't maybe expect. I know Adam Lowry has three points. Um, I think uh, I think Cop has a has at least a couple of points for them, um, but yeah, you need you need more from that bottom six group. The longer those two guys stay out, the the more that they really need guys like Matthew Perot to step up. You know, and it doesn't help when he's taking stupid ass penalties that are causing the goals like he did today. So, yeah, I mean the the last thing I'll add here is that it doesn't look great for the Jets given that. Game three is going on right now as we're recording, and they're losing by two going into the third. And they've lost their two-star players. Um, however, if you guys want to hear something really cool, um, go on YouTube and listen to Paul Maurice's comments on uh, Jansen Harkin. Really good clip. Um, just everything that you wanted as a player, you would want to hear your coach say about you. I mean, just just a really, like, I guess, open-hearted discussion with the media for like about a minute and this guy basically wasn't a first round pick he's kind of came from dirt he's in the echl i think last year um had a you know 
a training camp at the start of this year was nowhere even close to making their lineup. And here we are in the playoffs, and he's getting third-line, second-line minutes because he works his ass off. He got a goal in Game 2 for the Jets. Um, so go listen to Paul Maurice's clip if you haven't already. It's really good. I saw that this morning. That was awesome. Um, yeah, it, he basically said that he had absolutely no choice but but to play him because of how hard he works, and he just felt like he absolutely deserved a shot, and he gave him no choice but to at least toss him into the lineup, and then, of course, he gets the scoring started for the Jets um, in game two, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, that's just... That's exactly what you want in a playoff hockey team. You want that guy who's got that chip on his shoulder, who's got, you know, like you said, like he's sort of come from nothing. You come like, you know, up from the ECHL last year and now you're playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, that's unbelievable. I don't know if that's one, if that's ever happened before or two. I'm sure the list of that, you know, of players that have done that, you could count on one hand. Um, So that was a that was a fantastic clip and definitely go check that out. Uh, Moving on. We go to the Dogs versus Cats series, the Arizona Coyotes versus the Nashville Predators. Uh, Game one, Arizona, I think, shocked all of us. Uh, I thought this was another big upset that I didn't really see coming. Uh, They went out and got out to a 3-0 lead in like the first 10 minutes of the first period and ended up hanging on to win game one, 4-3. Game two, which was earlier today, Nashville comes back and wins it 4-2. Uh, my takeaways, other than the Yotes jumping out to that impressive lead uh, in game one and then sort of weathering the storm for the Predators, is that Nashville really struggled in that first game. And they struggled not only to get out of their own end, but they struggled in you know the Yotes' end. I mean, they were missing passes. They could not contain the puck. I thought they looked really sloppy. And they took a ton of penalties, specifically in the offensive <clears throat> end. I, you know, I was watching this, and... I, I was like thinking to myself, I was like, if I was a Preds fan, I would be losing my mind right now. I, you know, and I know I pick on this guy, but Ryan Johansson took a cross-checking penalty, and they put a like a great camera angle of it. It was from that camera that's on like the side of the boards that shoots through that little like six by six inch square hole, and it's literally in the referee's line of sight, and he just cross-checks someone in the back. I'm like, that's so stupid, dude. What are you doing? Yeah. I, I don't know. I just this is like that other series that I think you know. There's just way too many penalties being taken. This series for me has has actually been the least interesting so far. I, I haven't fully been able to to get really excited about um, either one of these teams. That's not to say that you know there's not some good hockey being played. I think it is more a testament of how intense some of the other series have been. Um, but but I, there's been some good things here. I, I think definitely. Uh, it was cool to see the Yotes come out and win that first game. Um, but I think they definitely owe that to none other than Darcy Kemper. Yeah, I think they're, I think they're missing Schmaltz a little bit, uh, the Yotes. I, I mean, he hasn't played all series so far. Um, Phil looks okay. I mean, he has two assists and two games played. So, um, you know, you can't really ask for too, too much. But it would be nice to see him getting on the goal-scoring sheet. But again, kind of what Max said, I find myself not thoroughly entertained by this series. Um, but I still have a really good feeling on our pick with Arizona for some reason. I just feel like between Tockett and the way Kemper looked, 
And Taylor Hall, I mean, he looks really determined. He played a – despite the loss today, he played a really good game too. Had a nice little scrap over there with Ryan Ellis. So um, I like the way the Yotes have played. I don't think they really need to change anything. And I might just start betting the Nashville puck line so that way the Yotes win. I called it. I knew I was right. Um, <laughs> uh, for those that don't know, Taylor Hall and Ryan Ellis are – junior teammates and like they've this is not the first time that they've had run-ins in the show uh these guys won back-to-back memorial cups in windsor in 2009 and 2010 and um i mean arguably one of the greatest hockey teams ever assembled i mean to win back-to-back memorial cups is nothing to laugh at that's next to impossible to do so i just think it's funny i know i saw you know a bunch of um you know, tweets and uh, Instagram videos today of like side by side clips. It's like one of them holding the trophy together, and then you swipe over, and the next one is them just like absolutely like rearing back and teeing off on each other. Yeah. Uh, I I thought that um, a couple of the youngsters for the Yotes I think have really impressed me. I've been pretty impressed with Clayton, uh, Clayton Keller so far, as well as Christian Dvorak. I think they've sort of handled themselves pretty well. Um, Keller has been producing some offense and, uh, I think Dvorak even got a goal in game one. So I I think if they're going to be successful in this series, like you guys mentioned, uh, with the loss of Schmaltz, both of those guys are going to need to continue to step up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't really have, uh, too much more on this series other than we'll see what happens in game three, but I'm feeling good about Arizona still. Uh, moving on to uh, the Jackets and the Leafs. Game one, uh, this was hysterical if you're a fan of watching Leafs Twitter explode. This uh, <laughs> wins two to nothing. Leafs Twitter catches fire. It, I, you would have thought the city was burning down or something. Like it was just priceless. Uh, Jonas Corposalo absolutely stood on his head in this game. I thought both goalies did, but particularly. Um, the save that Corpusalo had, uh, Matthews was alone between the circles and just, you know, had a beautiful one-timer that Corpusalo, I don't know how it didn't rip his arm off, but was able to snare in the glove. Um, the Leafs, I thought, struggled throughout that game to control the puck. Uh, they had issues on the power play, just couldn't score for whatever reason. Um, and then we're finally able to break through today in game two. But even still, it took them up until, like, you know, I think it was like the second period. Uh, I mean, Corposalo looked fantastic. So, uh, you know, Columbus gets it done uh, in game one. Toronto comes back and gets it done in game two. I think it's been a little bit interesting that both teams that have won in this series have done it via shutout. Uh, so what are your guys' thoughts on this series so far? I think if you haven't watched any of these games and you're just looking at the box scores, okay, 2 nothing, okay, 3 nothing, you might think, all right, kind of a boring series, not a lot of goals being scored. Absolutely the opposite. Honestly, despite the low-scoring affair, this has been one of the most exciting series for me to watch so far. Um, I thought game one was electric. I thought it was everything the playoff hockey should be. Um, it was a total goaltending duel, just like you said, Nick, um, and was definitely a really exciting game to watch, uh, um, even though there was not a lot of goals. 
Um, but I'm definitely interested to see what will happen here uh, in game three. Although interesting, obviously with, with Anderson getting the shutout today, um, the, uh, the least didn't score that first goal. I mean, Matthews scored to make it one, nothing pretty late in the second period, which means that um, Corpus Allo kept the Leafs off the scoreboard for um, almost five full periods, which is definitely something to note, I think. Um, and even though they did break through today, it'll be interesting to see if the Leafs um, continue to, to be, um, or continue to run into a roadblock there with Corpus Allo. Yeah, I, I, I'm not feeling good about the Leafs pick. <laughs> I think when Mac picked the Jackets in five, uh, I think he... Uh, I'm, that's kind of looking how it's going to go, and here's why. You might say, Harrison, well, Toronto just shut them out, and you know Columbus can't score. They suck it. They, they've been horrible offensively all year. They were 28th in the league in goals for during the regular season. All they do is play defense. Well, <laughs> none of these games have really looked like the type of game Toronto wants to play. I mean, this is the Jackets are kind of dictating the way the game is being played. And I have a feeling that we're not really going to see, you know, any overs hit in this series. It kind of looks like Columbus is going to dictate. Watch them shove that right up my ass, but we'll see. Um, Corpus Allo has looked really good. Scary incident with Muzzin, but we'll touch on that in a sec. Tyson Berry has not looked good to me at all. He really has not looked good. He's had a couple turnovers behind his own net where they, you know, D to D reverse when you're in transition. Just doesn't look comfortable. Uh, no points so far through the first two games. And now that Muzzin is basically going to be out for at least the rest of the round, probably long, um, he's going to have to log more minutes. And Morgan Riley, I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. Is there a defenseman in the league who has to carry a defensive core as hard as him? Because I'm not so sure. Uh, it, it, it's he, he looks really good. He's a horse, just constantly skating up and down the ice and never tired. Uh, but, yeah, Tyson Berry has looked really bad to me and the good news for toronto is even though it was a tight game for most of today Tavares got on the scoreboard with a nice little breakaway goal and matthews had a goal too so the stars are stepping up because i'm pretty sure if john Tavares went silent in this series he would probably end up dead in the streets of toronto i agree and i i think it's good that matthews and Tavares both scored today but you, I still sort of look to Nylander and Marner to step up too because between the four of them, you're looking at $40 million. And out of the, your $40 million, you're, you have two goals in the series right now. And to me, that's nowhere near where it needs to be. So yeah. I, I think if you're going to point the finger offensively, you've got to start there. And I completely agree with everything you said about the decor. I mean, Wiley has had to really shoulder the load and Barry has looked shaky at at best so um you know I'm, I'm really enjoying the goaltending duel here uh the muzzin incident was obviously scary i think we um you know we were all concerned about that just sort of like an awkward play behind the net you know is you know push from behind is sort of stumbling and then just looked like he got his neck caught on like an opposing player's knee uh, and then just, you know, bent it the wrong way. Uh, he was moving on the ice, but it, it took him like 10, 15 minutes to stretcher him off. So obviously hope he's okay and gets back soon. But I mean, that's a huge loss for them because that's a yeah. big, the back end lugs a ton of minutes and can really lay the body on guys. One other note, um, 
I think Nick Robertson's looked pretty good. Uh, the youngster, he's 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 made definitely um, his presence felt in the couple of games that he's played so far. So and Kyle Clifford, um, despite maybe not being on the score sheet every night, oh man, my he God. fucking hit, he hits everything. Who did he blow up today? He, I don't even know who he hit. He like took their head off. Yeah. It might have been Justin Hole. I might be wrong on that, but I think he, he annihilated one of their defensemen. It, it, big body coming through. That's exactly what the Leafs need this time around. And moving on, the last series that we have to cover, uh, they will get their second game underway at 10.45 p.m. tonight. Uh, the Minnesota Wild and the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Minnesota went out and looked pretty damn good in game one, like some people thought they would. Uh, <laughs> they won that game three to nothing. My personal takeaways from this game, uh, I watched a little bit of it and then fell asleep. I think a lot of people still sleep on how good Kevin Fiala has become. I think he he had a couple big goals. I know he had a couple playoff overtime goals for Nashville. Uh, bounced around a little bit, but I think he sort of finally found his spot in Minnesota, and Minnesota finally has a young player that they can turn to for offensive production instead of you know one of the countless veterans that they have. Um, so Fiala and Spurgeon provided the scoring uh, for Minnesota in Game One. They outshot Vancouver thirty-one to twenty-eight, so pretty evenly matched there. Um, but I think arguably even more impressive was the Alex Stalock in net for Minnesota. I know we were talking about Devin Dubnik in our preview, and we basically didn't even give this guy the time of day. But him and the Minnesota defense were really able to shut down that high-flying Canucks offense. And I, I, I thought Stalock looked incredible. Yeah, yeah, to be honest with, uh, yeah, to be honest with you, I didn't really. Uh... I didn't get to catch this game. I was in my uh, REM cycle by the time 10.45 came around, so that was kind of not in the question. Probably the same scenario tonight, but I'll watch the highlights in the morning if that makes you guys feel better. <laughs> um, for me out here on the West Coast, this is the primetime game of the night, so, you know, 7.45, but um, I, I definitely caught all of it. And uh, to be honest, I was actually looking forward to talking about this series more so than any other one, um, just because how, of how much it really did surprise me. Um, we obviously all picked the wild, uh, which was um, not the most popular thing that we've ever done. Um, but uh, they, they even still surprised me. I, I think this is a heart and soul team. Um, they, they've looked way more physical against the Canucks in game one than I am used to seeing, uh, the wild play during the regular season. Um, one thing that I think is, is worth noting here, uh, the Canucks are the only team now, I believe that has yet to score a goal in this entire, um, <laughs> tournament. And obviously they've only played the one game, but, uh, they look to me, at least from that one game, they looked nervous out there. They looked uh, like a lot of their inexperienced younger guys were looking inexperienced and younger. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight. Um, obviously, the Panthers and the Leafs also did not score a goal in their first game. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe they can turn it around like the Leafs did today. But, um I know I'm feeling good about that wild pick. Knock on wood. I think I think they're actually going to get it done tonight and and put Canucks in a real tough spot. Love it. 
I am. Um, I completely agree with what you were saying about how they looked nervous. I, you know, I described them going into uh, uh, the playoffs in our preview as being very green. And um, no, I was not describing the stripe on their uniform. I was describing the fact that they had not accumulated a ton of playoff experience with the lineup that they have. And I think that's what the Wild can really use against them. While they might not have a ton of playoff experience with that club, a lot of their players have been in situations like that before um, and just you know, sort of know how to handle themselves. And I think in a shorter series, um, that's really uh, essential. Uh, by the way, the Flames just scored, so it is now 5-2. God damn it. And guess who got it? Good job. Lucic. <laughs> hey, I said at this. I said in the preview, he was the X factor. I said he's got that playoff build. He's got the playoff experience. He's what, what's going to show up. So, um. So, with that being said, that wraps up all the active qualifier series that are going on. Let's quickly run through the round robins. I know while these games might not have much as much weight on them. I think they've still been pretty interesting Uh, for the East. The Flyers beat the Bruins. I think that shocked a lot of people and sort of reaffirmed what the three of us have known for a while now is that this team is one built for the playoffs Two, They have the recipe and three, they're just terrifying. So um, look out Uh, the lightning beat the caps in a shootout. Uh, so as of today, the standings for the round robin in the East are the Flyers with two points, the Bolts with two points, the Caps with one point, and the Bruins with none. Uh, bouncing over to the West, the Avs beat the Blues on that Kadri buzzer beater goal that took about 20 minutes to review. That was still an exciting game to watch. And the Golden Knights beat the Stars. Uh, the other night. So as of today, the standings in the West would be the Avs with two points, the Knights with two points, and the Blues and the Stars with nothing. Did you guys watch any of these games, or do you have any impressions about the round robin so far? Um, I've watched most of them. I will say that you know, while all these games are exciting, no doubt, uh, there's there's certainly a different feel to these round robin games than there is to these um, these neck and neck uh, best of five series games. Um, but I think it's definitely been interesting to, to watch that contrast. Um, and something, you know, that I, that I actually realized last night when I was talking to my dad on the phone was that, um, the Metropolitan Division is, they, they have all but one team participating in this whole fiasco tournament. The, the only team that's not here from the Metro Division is the Devils, and every other team in the Metro is either in a best of five or a round, or a round robin matchup right now, which... I believe that's the only division that has that many, which is kind of crazy. It's just a little side note. Yeah, I mean, that the Vegas comeback was pretty impressive, especially against a Stars team who kind of prides themselves on their defensive core and one of their better goalies in the league, Ben Bishop. So um, I think the Knights are looking pretty damn good. Uh, Laner got the start over Flurry, which I thought was rather interesting decision, but not going to argue with it as a result of things. Um, the f- yeah, Nick, the Flyers are. <laughs> it, I really don't like saying this, but 
I think they have a very legitimate chance at making a serious, serious run. And Carter Hart is the real deal. I mean, it, they have the recipe. They've got the gritty forwards. They have a puck-moving defense that can also stay home, and they have a young, hot goaltender. It, it just feels like that. It, it kind of feels like it's all coming together at the right time, and it's kind of setting up for them to make a big run. So, uh, I've look, I said at the very start of the year, they're going to probably be a good team, and they're going to finish second, which they did. Um, you know, it, we'll see who they get after the qualifiers are over, but look out because Philly, Philly looks really good. Um, and then I also think that the Avalanche looked pretty good the other night. That buzzer beater goal was uh, pretty impressive. Uh, Kadri- what did you say? That was awesome. That was really cool. Yeah, no, it was a it was a great game. For those of you who didn't see, I think uh, Nazem Kadri won the Avs the game with legitimately no joke. Point oh one seconds left. Uh, literally, you if you watch the replay, the puck crosses the line at the exact second that the clock turns like all zeros. So it is cool like the like the latest you could score a goal and have it still count. Like the absolute latest. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. They- they didn't even drop the puck afterwards. I've never seen that happen before, where they, where they don't at least drop the puck afterwards because there's still some time on the clock. They right. literally like, no, nope, okay, that's it. No, you're right. That's actually a really good point is that they didn't drop the puck after because the game legit ended as the puck went in. It was over. And uh, I think my closing thoughts on this round robin deal, Mac, I think you nailed this in the last episode when you were talking about how that they were going to do sort of the, you know, the three on three for five minutes and then the shootout as overtime, I completely agree that it makes it not feel like a postseason game. And I, you know, you can say I'm biased because the Caps went to OT in a shootout against the Bolts, but my dad and I were both sitting there and he looked at me. He was like, this is just weird. Like, this is so weird that they're doing, you know, overtime three on three for five minutes and then a shootout in the postseason. It just sort of takes away from it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. We'll, we'll see how this pans out going forward so far. That's the only round robin game to, you know, go past 60 minutes. So, uh, we'll see how that affects, uh, the remaining games coming up this week. Uh, to close out this episode, we wanted to do a segment where the three of us each say who we thought has been the most impressive player over the last four days. So, Harrison, why don't you get us started? So, uh, I originally had just one, but I'm going to put two in there because I'm me and you guys know how I am. Um, you know, obviously Crosby looks good. Uh, all the star players are playing really well. So, some guy, I have two guys that, shut up, Nick. Um, I have two guys that you know I want to mention that I kind of overlooked myself, and perhaps they don't get enough recognition. Talked about Sveshnikov earlier in the episode, but he, I mean, <laughs> doesn't get as much credit as he probably should because he's in Carolina. I think we say that a lot about the small market teams that are below the Mason-Dixon line, but you know he looks. The hat trick speaks for itself, and it wasn't like a fluky hat trick. It was like a legit, like oh shit, he is really fucking good hat trick. Um, and the Canes in general, I mean, I think that top line that Nick keeps beating off with his right hand all episode, they look really good. And I think they all complement each other really well. So, um, you know, you put Sveshnikov in that mix with Aho and who's the, who's the other one, Nick? Tara Vinen. Yeah. Um, they all three complement each other really well. So I think Sveshnikov is going to be really good for a deep run, perhaps for the Canes. 
And then Nikolai Ehlers. I think Nick uh, mentioned him earlier, too. He arguably could be the fastest player in the league if McJesus didn't exist. Um, in wake of their two best players getting hurt, the Jets have needed some secondary scoring, and he's definitely stepped up. Um, and he's looked rather impressive and looks like he is playing his guts out. So I give him a lot of credit. Um, hopefully the Jets can pull it off. Yeah, and I uh, I ended up going with Seth Jones on the Blue Jackets. I think that um, after game one, even just game one, he he definitely had this role for me of just been, being an absolute beast on the ice. Um, I mean, he, he's a tank, this dude. He, he's big, and he... He's annoying, honestly, as a defenseman. Like, if, if I was a forward um, and trying to get some ground in front of the net or something like that, I would not want to be going up against Seth Jones out there. He, um, he, he looks better than he has in the past. And, and, you know, he's always looked pretty good. But I think he's just now, like, fully starting to um, develop. I, I would not be surprised um, if this guy's best days are still ahead of him. I think he's getting better by the minute. I completely agree with you. Uh, I have to go with another blue jacket myself. Uh, I'm going to go with the goaltender, Jonas Corposalo. I mean, I mentioned what I thought of his performance in game one. And Mac, you talked about how he basically had five shutout periods against arguably the most stacked offensive team in the NHL. Um, so I just think he's been absolutely fantastic. And, you know, even today where I thought the jackets were way off of where they were in game one, he really did sort of weather the storm. And I mean, he was constantly under fire as the Leafs were moving the puck a lot better than they were in game one. So I think, you know, if you're the Leafs, you weren't, I don't really know if you were expecting Columbus's goaltending to be this good. If not, I would say maybe even a little bit better than Toronto's. So, uh, you know, I think he's really sort of changing the the makeup of the series for them. Word. Um, you know, that was awesome episode. I felt like that was electric. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's nice when you actually get to like you know watch games again and and they're all day long and everybody's so dialed into everything because the magnitude of the games is just so much greater. So uh, yeah, that was that was fun. Thanks for being a part of this, guys. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Um, All righty. Well, that kind of wraps it up for us today. Um, You might be wondering why we're not dishing out any picks. So um, us three have kind of discussed that what we're going to do is post our picks as we see fit on social media. Um, As of right now, we don't even know if some of these games that we would predict are going to happen because there might be a sweep or something of that nature. So after further discussion, we've kind of, you know, said we're going to post them on Instagram and Twitter for you guys as the week goes on. Um, We don't want to be giving you guys picks that we're not going to put money on ourselves. We wouldn't do that to you guys. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And we will do our Stanley Cup final predictions once the qualifiers are over. Um, We also discussed that as well. So um, when a legit playoff bracket is formed, I feel like that is probably the most fair way to do it is predict the finals after that. Um, so, you know, good stuff coming. The games keep rolling. Uh, we're going to be picking up the, uh, picking up the social media game here with the picks for you guys. So be on the lookout, like I mentioned. And I think that just about wraps it up, fellas. Anything else? Any final notes? I'm, I'm glancing at this Calgary and Winnipeg game. 
And I don't know if this is like, I don't know what's going on, but someone else just got drilled in the face and it like shattered their visor into their face. Oh, God. <laughs> Blood everywhere. I know we were talking about the Tucker Pullman getting drilled earlier. He's still bleeding on the bench. Like, I mean, oh, this is just gruesome. <laughs> wow. Anything for you, Mac? Um, I don't think so, although I, I actually just noticed that as the second period is about to begin for the Rangers-Canes, which, by the way, is a 0-0 game still, um, Rangers outshot the Canes 14-6 to in the first period. So we'll see what happens there, but. And they didn't start Mrazek. They started Reimer. Really? Yeah. That oh. is shocking. And, they, and Mrazek played the last two games? Yeah. Right? Is Mrazek on the bench? I don't know. There's no, way. To play? There's no way he's on the bench. I would, I would imagine the only way they start Reimer out of nowhere like that is if uh, Mrazek's unfit to play. What's, um, what's Mrazek's number? Does anyone know? Because I could be completely fucking this up. Uh, I think he's 34, but let me look it up. That's what I think, and I think I see 47 in white in, in the cage. Rosick is 34. Okay. Yeah. No, it's uh, Ryan. Wait. Oh, no. Never mind. Okay. Well, that's what happened. Rangers. What'd you say? It's one nothing. Rangers. Kreider just scored. Let's go, baby. All well, right, guys. Sorry, Peter Mrazek. Anyway. All right, so that's what happens when I say final note. So that's going to now uh, forbidden for the rest of episodes for the rest of time. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you guys later. And without further ado, class dismissed.